0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above. As we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skuz-Gaspo. Well, as you might have heard at the beginning of our uh, podcast Woo! here. <laughs> holy shit, guys. We are Big Ten West champs. Amazing. Amazing. Hey, we we said
1: we thought that was a distinct possibility. I mean, you know, with the caveat that we had to get through Wisconsin and Iowa. But we said that in our season preview. We said that after the Duke game, we said it again. Most importantly, after the Akron game, and again after the Michigan game, and again after after the Rutgers game,
0: and just just as we drew it up, boys, Big <laughs> Ten West champs and zero three out of conference. Yeah, that's that's exactly how we drew it up. But oh my god, like like you said, I mean, you know, we we did say like I re- in that Akron uh, post mortem, if you will, you know, we were saying you know. This sucks and yet we still have everything in front of us. Like we can still do this. And Well that that was the week I think BYU beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin,
1: yeah. Uh and like other teams didn't weren't looking great. Like it it was
0: clearly a possibility.
1: But but something, so it wasn't just us being homers is my point.
0: Yeah. Something <laughs> happened though, you know, right after I mean, after the Michigan game and then, you know, the Nebraska and the Rutgers game where we had to come back for Both of those, and then like a flip switched or a switch flipped, however, you want to say <laughs> it. Um, but oh, I, th- I can I guess, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, yeah, oh my god, I mean, the emergence of Isaiah Bowser, and we were really excited about him coming into the season, like his commitment, we were real excited about, and to the point that I, I don't think other people. We're as excited about Bowser coming in as we were. Um, not to like toot our own horns even more than we already have, but, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, he was underrated, I think going into the season and, you know, him emerging, uh, from just the train wreck of our running back core, uh, following the retirement of Jeremy Larkin was, uh, unbelievable. And to put up the numbers he did, Against you know Rutgers, which had a, a you know their Rutgers, but um you know to to run for almost a hundred yards against Notre Dame, to run for a hundred and sixty five yards against this Iowa defense that's been really solid all season. Just you know the way he's been able to take the running aspect of the team on his back, which has opened up the passing game. I mean Thorson was not. Great. I mean, 50% you know, completion for Thorson. I guess he threw up right before the game with some food poisoning or something. Um, haven't quite heard exactly what that was, but, you know, he, he didn't have a great game, and he hasn't had great games for the past few weeks, but he hasn't had to.
2: I would say the, yeah, Thorson's in a really rough stretch right now of, of bad quarterback play, and... It's amazing what a good running back will do to take the weight off you. I think one way to flip it is imagine if Clayton was, imagine if we had Michigan State Clayton Thorson with Isaiah Bowser. And that's the, that's the matchup you're hoping travels to Indianapolis. Because if that combination does show up, I think there's really a chance that our offense could be truly scary and truly dangerous when we absolutely need it to be. I'll, I'll cop to, you know, personally, I was not expecting this from Bowser. Um, obviously, I mean, Sammy's right in terms of the national conversation only because, as they said, during the Iowa game, I mean, he didn't have the offers and he didn't have, I don't think, not even Cincinnati offered him in state. And this is a guy who, at least by you know one metric, was Ohio State Football Player of the Year. And it's because he played for a team that was traditionally so bad at football and basically put them on his back. And I think... You could argue if this guy goes to Cincinnati Molar or something like that, and I'm sure, Scuz, you could speak to that, that I think he's a major commodity who probably has a lot better offers, but he didn't play for that kind of team. This guy was, you know, as we said, was dragging four or five tacklers on every play at the high school level. And, you know, on one hand, you see a guy who doesn't have a huge frame and he doesn't have the top-end speed, but I think his vision is getting better all the time. And, man, is he tough. Um, he he's just good for an extra one to two yards, if not more, moving the pile on every play, and it's such a luxury to have. And um, and really not to discount and not to and not to give the line short shrift either. But you see us kind of getting back to the place where we were against Purdue in Week One, um, and you know the team that was just able to to run all over them, and then just was devastated by injuries and. And now you see kind of this, this gelling again. And scuzz talked about it, um, in earlier pods where there's something to be said for a back who doesn't have rhythm with the offensive line, a certain type of back, a Justin Jackson type in terms of an ability to cut. And Bowser is really starting to fill that role. And it's really making things go, um, offensively. And I'll say as an aside, mentioning the injuries, um, and you know, Sammy, you touched on the Akron game. Um, there's no doubt in this stretch, and we'll go into it all, I'm sure, in, in detail <laughs> in the rest of this pod, but we have had some incredible good fortune in this stretch of just a magical set of results happening, several of which were out of our control in terms of teams needing to win, um, although we've totally taken care of business and we'd still be in line to win the West. Um, there's really a, a magical set of events that have fallen into place that have allowed us to put this all together. But I don't want to hear anyone talk about luck relative to this team because a it has been a bloodbath relative to injuries <laughs> An absolute just just carnage i can't even i mean we'll get into that too and secondly that akron loss aside from that loss our three losses are to power five teams with a combined record of 26 and four two of whom are in line to go to the college football playoff and there, I mean, we talked about how poor the coaching was in the Akron game, but the fact remains, if any number of 10 different things go the other way for us in that game, just 10 different individual events, we win that game and it becomes a close win that everyone had long forgotten about. So it's I mean, like... I Thor- Thorson's Hail Mary goes like a yard further, right? Or any of their three defensive touchdowns don't happen. Um then that's, that blemishes off of our resume. It's been, an, uh, there, it's been a, a season of extremes. Northwestern has not ridden the middle of the road in luck in any fashion. It's been horrible luck and fantastic luck. And you ask me, it all evens out, and this is a good team that deserves to be where it is.
1: Well, this is. I, I think Bowser is the perfect person to talk about in this space because in years past – Losing a guy like Jeremy Larkin, a key player in a key position, was a death knell for the team. I mean, when Damian Anderson was was a mess in 2001, season over. When we lost Venric Mark in 2013, season over. Uh, Quarterbacks, wide receivers, etc. Like, when we lose a key player in a key position... Northwestern t- traditionally has not had the depth to be able to respond. Dan Persa, and, right? Yeah, Dan Persa, uh, all, Dwayne Bates in nineteen ninety seven. Like it, like the list goes on and on. And Isaiah Bowser is an example of what pr- probably the truest example of what Fitz has done for this program over the last decade in building and and frankly, Walker to a certain degree before him of. They had to build this thing from the ground up. I know like the Rose Bowl changed the dynamic around Northwestern. It changed what was possible for Northwestern. We still did not have a program, especially because Barnett left just a couple years later. They needed to build a foundation. Northwestern had to be mediocre before they could be good, and we all lived that. We know what that was like. We didn't love it, but the idea that... Down to our second string in the defensive backfield. Pretty much across the board. I think, I think J.R. Pace is the only uh,
2: true starter
1: that was playing we're, we're in the well back of that the, game.
2: We're well into the third string in quarterback yep. right we're,
1: now. <laughs> yep. Um, and then the, the running back situation, you've got, you know, we've had ups and downs at the quarterback position. But the, the idea that Northwestern could beat a ranked team on the road in that situation... And do it running for 184 yards at a four yards per carry clip is really, really a difference from what was possible for this team in the past. And Bowser is the number one with a bullet uh, guy that has that has helped lead that charge. His emergence, his ability to um, bring this team forward. I, John, you mentioned the cutting thing, and, and I know we just talked about Bowser, but I. I I want to get. I want to dig back in a little bit, um, and I don't think the people will mind. I, the The cutbacks that he brought in this game, I didn't. Those weren't. Those weren't there the last couple of games. The last few games, he was. You know, he was finding the hole. He was turning and going, um, lowering his shoulder, going into guys. They've added a dimension to his uh, to his running in this game. The other thing that we did, major second half adjustment was keeping the running back in the backfield to help the tackles with blocking because Iowa's defensive line was terrorizing, especially Blank Hance. And uh, there were a number of plays where Bowser had key blocks. Like, this guy has emerged in all facets of the game. He had three catches for over 30 yards. Uh, What what, what a performance. Just to put it in context, too, because I I think none of us thought really highly of Iowa – um, coming into this game, we knew they were good. They, you know, the, the, obviously they were favored by ten points, which is kind of astounding. <laughs> but um, outside of playing Wisconsin, nobody's come close to the rushing numbers we've put up. Uh, Wisconsin put up two hundred and ten and and averaged four point eight against Iowa. Nobody else has done better than three and a half yards per carry. And Penn State's the only team that got significantly above a hundred. They were up to 118. 184 and a four and a and a, and a uh 4 yards per carry clip is a decimation of Iowa's defense and they were not missing players they they actually got uh, a guy back who had been suspended most of the year Matt Hankins uh, who you saw return the opening kickoff and and gave us all collective apoplexy um so this was this was a full speed uh full strength Iowa defense and our brand new uh, shiny running back who has emerged out of, out of the mists of time um, just annihilated them.
2: Well, the other part, too, and this is, again, I really want to double down on credit to the offensive line because we talked about this in the summer when we talked about Iowa. Iowa is, was going to be mediocre at cornerback and mediocre, at, uh, mediocre in the secondary and mediocre at linebacker this year. That's where all their turnover was. But their defensive line is awesome. Espineza is going to be an NFL first round draft pick, obviously. That guy's a freaking monster. Um, they averaged something like 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six across their defensive line. They had a couple batted balls in this game. Um, and that's where their strength is. The reason their defense, especially in the first half of the season, um, got the accolades that they did is because this defensive line is capable of controlling ball games. And they put a lot of pressure, as you said, uh, on us against the pass they were collapsing the pocket on Payton on uh, Clayton but we were able to run the ball and that's a testament to the offensive line if you look at Bowser's long touchdown run you see I think Jared Thomas and I want to say was it Dole's both got around the corner on beautiful pull blocks and it was just a beautifully set up play and Bowser said in the in the post game interview he's like yeah I wasn't touched on that play I just had to make read the defensive end and make one cut and the blocking was so well set up it was. It's just the synthesis is there. This this running game that just went off and disappeared for weeks is back in full force, and it's it's Bowser is is a monster um, out there toting the princess to another castle, if you will, uh, play to play. <laughs> um, but but he's but I mean it, it's it's clicking for sure. And again, all we need is Clayton Thorson step up and again you know if he's sick that's he certainly didn't need that on top of that brutal weather out there um so there's
1: something i want to address about clayton and and the guys covering the game talked a little bit about it too because sammy you refer or john you referenced that michigan state game he also had a really good game the next week against nebraska where he threw for 450 yards and since then it's been it's been not great like he's been uh no better than I think fifty-seven percent completion against Wisconsin, but it's, it's been bad. Like uh, he's been throwing, um, well, I won't say he's been throwing more picks, but he's been throwing less TDs. Uh, he's been much more inaccurate. You know, in that Rutgers game, we, we we all saw him kind of lose his mental edge a little bit. I think he he had moments like that in this game against Iowa, against Iowa as well. Here's the interesting thing, though: defenses are trying to take away Flynn Nagel. That is their approach against Northwestern right now, and it's working. You saw um, Iowa basically hitting the crap out of Nagel whenever the ball came close to him. I mean, Nagel, um,
0: Nagel didn't have a catch.
1: Yep, yeah, and he was targeted at least five or six times. Um, that's what defenses are doing. Notre Dame did the same thing, trying to shut down Nagel, prevent Thorson from being able to go to his go-to guy, and it's had an impact. Uh, it's really had an impact. I think um, you know Cam Green has become uh, the, the clear safety net. Uh, he had you know five catches uh, for 30 yards in this game, but but they're not allowing uh, Green to get downfield, and it's it's causing Thorson to do some different things. He's taking more deep shots, some that have worked out really well. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you know, I I, I that re- naturally results in a worse completion percentage. And I have to say, I think this is where you know there are a lot of people in the first half of this game screaming about McCall uh, I wasn't particularly happy either but in the second half this the offense adjusted their approach and they came up with two touchdowns against a baller defense and you got to give them a lot of credit that they, they adjusted the blocking schemes to help the tackles um, they knew that that Nagel was being taken off the board so they started
0: looking elsewhere and uh, found some ways to get it done. And b- before we transition, uh, to our defensive, uh, performance on this game, I mean, we, let's, let's talk about that Skoronic touchdown, which is going to go down in like Northwestern lore as, you know, the play, you know, that, that touchdown putting us ahead and then the defense getting two turnovers following that to, to seal the deal. But oh my goodness, that catch
2: was unreal. He's. It's the second time this year too, where it has appeared to first glance to non-believers, if you will, <laughs> that that he did not make that he did not make the catch. But the bottom line is, it goes into that guy's hands and it sticks like glue, and you get the benefit of the doubt. It's like the ball can touch the ground. I don't know how many times we have to say it, but it's like if the ball goes into a guy's arms and sticks. He can. It can drag along the ground. It doesn't matter if the ball doesn't move. That's a catch. And man, when it gets into Skranić's hands, it sticks. And first of all, I'm not even 100 percent sure that on this catch the ball ever did touch the ground. No, I don't think but it did. It, but if it did, it grazed it, and it didn't matter. Hey, the... hey, hey, coming out of replay, weren't no
1: call stands. On no, this. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, it, it was right. confirmed.
2: That's that's right. I find like. With his catches, maybe they just want to go and admire them in the booth for a little bit. (laughs) The ref's like, hang on, i got to go take a look at this. Man, did you see that? Slow it down. Can you back it up again? Any other Confirmed, Iowa. Um, Interestingly, in the postgame, Skoranek said um, that on that play, he's basically just supposed to be dragging his man out of the play on a fly route. And he was not expecting the ball to go to him. And for whatever reason, Thorson, who credit where credit is due, adjusted. And saw that that was there. And that he had the single coverage and threw it up. And Skronic, to even more credit, who was not expecting the pass. He said he's like, you know, they tell us run every route like you're going to be getting the ball. And that ball went up. And, I mean, he made an, an unbelievable catch. And that's, and, you know, unreal play by Skronic. I think also it bears mentioning, and this is this is something that in, in a way of a long pivot here, um, the... It bears mentioning that I think he drew a defensive pass interference earlier in the game too, I wanna to say on a jump ball that was just yeah, a result yeah, yeah. That, that was just a result of Iowa doesn't have a great secondary. And we had this inability because of collapsing pockets early on and Clayton being in a bit of a funk to take advantage of that. But you get Skoranek in single coverage on just about any secondary. You just throw it up there. Like the guy, like at the very least, you're probably looking at a defensive pass interference. And he's, he's someone that I think come NFL draft time, people are going to take a really hard look at because Yes, speed kills, and maybe he's not the fastest guy, but man alive. You just get the ball anywhere near him, and he's a, a matchup disaster. Um, See, John, the- John I, well, I got to quibble with one thing. Like You
1: say that they don't have a great secondary. I disagree. I think that think their so? secondary is pretty darn good. And like I think that's the big surprise about Iowa this year because they lost Josh Jackson. Uh, they and Desmond King. They, they lost Josh, Josh Jackson and Desmond King, right? So you would have expected a huge drop-off. They're 38th in the NCAA and in, in team pass efficiency defense. They're they're pretty darn good, and and with Matt Hankins back, like that guy was all. He's the guy that took away Nagel.
2: He is he's good. But my my personal opinion is that pass efficiency defense, and this is where I was this is where I was going in the way of a long pivot and a pivot that Sam alluded to earlier is that defensive line is just ferocious, and if they're not getting a sack and they're not blowing past the linemen, they are shrinking the pocket down. And Clayton, this has been a bugaboo of him for years, and I'm not putting it all on him, and I'm not saying it's not an unreasonable thing, but in a tight pocket, he can feel the pressure. And the pocket was just shrinking, shrinking, shrinking early on. And... It's hard to sit in a situation like that and deal with it. I'm not saying you're wrong, Scuzz. I mean, I'm saying you're right. I mean, it could be that that that, that, you know they're an underrated secondary back there. But I think part of it, and this is something that Clayton's just he's going to have to find it, especially if we're looking at Michigan and even even a Nick Bosa-less Ohio State in Indianapolis. Is if you're getting support from the running game like we suddenly are, it's on you, man. Like you got to find it. You got to stay in that tight pocket and, and make some throws out there. This is all in a way of saying that you don't have to get sacks from a defensive line perspective to greatly change the complexion yeah, of Very the passing true. game. And we are the banner carriers for that. And, I mean, this, is, this was just one more game. The defensive line, I think one of the great unsung stories for this season, because people are always going to remember, like the Skronic, the catch that won the West, it's already got like a nickname. Um, and the emergence of Bowser and, you know, just Clayton becoming our all-time winningest quarterback and all these things. This defensive line is one of the greatest defensive lines Northwestern's ever had. And it's deep, And it was the one area this season on the defense that was relatively untouched by injuries. And they're just phenomenal. And I think so many times people look from a defensive line and they measure by sacks first. And that's not the way this defensive line works. But when Gaziano is not directly getting to the quarterback, and he lit Stanley up once in this game um, and got a well-earned sack... We have a couple guys summed up Miller, Jordan Thompson, Gaz. They collapsed the pocket, and it does make a difference. Stanley was forced out of the pocket several times, including on a fourth down when he wasn't able to to scramble for the first down. Um, And when you couple that with the fact that this is one of the best defensive lines against the run in the country, I will not hear otherwise. I don't care what the stats say. It's a top-ten unit against the run from a defensive line perspective we control the line of scrimmage against the run as well as we ever have from a defensive line perspective and you wonder out there like how is a team with one defensive starter in the entire secondary into the 3 deep at cornerback Nate Halls coming in and out on plays he's banged up right um how are we still just putting this unbelievable defensive effort together, and it's because the defensive line is just controlling the line of scrimmage, and it's just a phenomenal effort, and, you know, to me, all talk of our defense starts that place this year, and it's a unit that, again, like, I mean, again, we're going to get here later in this pot or later in the week, but, you know, we're going to be playing two teams in the next two weeks that they're, that's what they can do is try to run the ball, and this defensive line is just not having it. And I mean, I, I can't give enough kudos. It's one of the best position groups in the country. Iowa, well, Iowa they, rushed. They, uh,
0: sorry, Iowa rushed twenty-two times for sixty-four yards, two-point-nine average. I mean, they they couldn't run the ball at all. This this is the other
1: side of the Isaiah Bowser coin that I was talking about earlier. And the depth that we've developed in that unit is outstanding. Iowa has been over well over 100 yards rushing pretty much every game this year. We, we absolutely stoned them. Um, they averaged, I, mean, I think they got close to 200 yards against Wisconsin, and this was a, a fantastic effort. The, the thing that's really exciting about this group, and, and it, and it kind of goes back to this depth thing, is that, again, it's not one or two guys. It's not even the, the starting four. It's um, eight. It's eight guys. Yeah, and s- we... stacked. And we move them in and out, and you can do things like drop Gaziano into uh, into the flat, like we do, like to do on a zone blitz, and mix things up that confuse the quarterback and have no drop off on on the ability to generate pressure. Um, it's it's outstanding. And there are times in the game where they 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 don't get to the quarterback, and it and it it starts to look a little rough. I I think I think this team has gotten really good through the course of the year of figuring out how to pick their spots. And I see this in two ways. One, the defense knows when to ratchet it up and to go for Gusto. The other is, and this this might be crazy. I, I, I might just be making this up. This might be wishful thinking. But since the Michigan game where we got up early and then played one of these, you know, hang on to our butts types things, does it feel to you guys like we've saved most of our bullets for the second half? and we've played more of like a vanilla feel out the opponent in the first half. That's what this game really felt to me that like we didn't do anything interesting or different until after halftime. Like we were almost trying to see how far we could hang on playing base and just get to know Iowa better and better and better and then hit them with the different stuff in the second half. Or am I just am I just wishful thinking this and and I will say, lark.
2: I will say down the stretch in the second half, especially when it got really late, because there was one period of time, I think in the third quarter where we were rushing three guys and I was, it was just not working out. And then late in the game, when I was really worried, we were going to keep doing that. We like Anquits did bring a little extra pressure. Um, I know Travis Willick came on a blitz one time, a cu- only... couple, couple times. Yeah. Uh, one time in particular, I was kind of stunned. He blew the guard backwards, practically into Stanley. And I think it led to an incomplete pass. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? So it's nice to know he's ready for reps when, uh, you know, Jerry McGee <laughs> hangs it up. But um, but yeah, no, there was a little bit of a mix. It And we do talk a lot, right, about um, that I think – we 've been much more kind to Mike Hankowitz than we have Mick McCall over the course of the lifespan of this pod, and not without not without reason it must be said, but Mike Witt, Hankowitz has some real toys to play with on that defense right now, and I give him all the, I give him all the credit in the world because the secondary was duct tape and dental floss for the back half of this game, um, and we were able to kind of really lean on that front seven. With that said, and especially because we were definitely trading some excited texts about it, the injury situation led to some pretty heroic efforts from guys in the secondary who do not get reps. Um, Roderick Campbell is the Where guy. Where have you I been with... all my life, Roderick? Oh, Roderick. Gosh. the uh, I know Bill Simmons always talks about, right, with uh, J.D. Drew and whatever it is, the $50 million home run that yeah, in the World yep, Series yep. or whatever. I mean, Roderick Campbell... Four-star recruit, guy who picked us over Notre Dame, a guy who we all had stratospheric hopes for. Injuries have just wrecked his career. He's never been what he was supposed to be. And he had the play of his career in this game. Late in the game, broke up a pass in the end zone, a would-be touchdown. that um, A would-be touchdown, or at the very least, a would-be pass interference call um, in a time when we absolutely had to have a stop and a drive that ultimately led to a missed field goal. Um and it was a great call. He was His back was to the play. He got his head around just in time to, get to, to, to catch a glimpse of the ball and get his reflex up of his hands up. It was an awesome play. And, you know, your Roderick Campbell, with what injuries have done to his career, he's not getting in unless at least three guys are hurt. And that's where we were. And, um, you know, you have that. You have Cam Ruiz, who, of course, blocked the punt against Notre Dame. But he's a guy out there who, um, you know, he's been thrown into the fire almost immediately. Yet Alonzo Mayo out there. These are guys who just, they're, it's a mix of guys, right, who either are incredibly young or have had a real rough go of it, you know, for a large part of their career between injuries and performance issues and et cetera. And yeah, they got help from a fantastic defensive line, but they were out there and they did just enough to get it done.
1: Well, and those are the types of those reps are worth their weight in gold. Um, the fact that they got them and the fact that they went well and that they weren't in garbage time. So a, I thought Cam Ruiz looked really good in this game. Um, he's been, he's been targeted, right. The last couple games by teams, because he is a young, a young freshman. Um, he hasn't seen the field a lot. I was, I was blown away at the level of physicality that he brought in the beginning of this game. And there were a couple moments where I was like, "Oh boy, let's maybe like dial it back just like half a notch there." Like we're getting close to to some penalties on on a couple occasions here. But um, but he was really something. He he tackles like uh, he's a, just a monster tackler and uh did a pretty good job hanging with guys i don't think he's got the the top end speed that was the thing that blew me away about campbell is that he was stride for stride with uh, a pretty fast receiver and i that's the sort of thing that makes you wonder if, if we might see him just a little bit more and, and i get the injury thing maybe it's on special teams etc we had a listener actually i think that sent us an email a couple of weeks back asking about campbell and man what like where what happened to him where did he go uh, the injuries have obviously been an issue, and I think I think what people don't understand sometimes is that all right, so he he got injured, right? missed a bunch of time, missed a bunch of practice time. Certainly he's behind, right in terms of learning the schemes, getting the reps, et cetera. There's only so many reps to go around in practice, and when you're that far down the chart, and maybe you you know you can't go at full speed, to get caught back up to the point where you can get playing time is really, really hard. And, and this is the, to your point, John, this is the only way something like that might happen, even though he's got that level of talent and pedigree and had maybe even showed it in defensive practice uh, at certain points in his,
0: in his career. If you don't have the reps, you're going to be behind. And and you got to think as well, you know, when, when you're not getting first or second team reps, what, what reps are you getting? Scout team reps. So, I mean, you're, you're not even working on, the northwestern defense you're working on mimicking your opposing team's defense which you know it is a talent into a, a into itself but it doesn't necessarily get you on the same page with the guys who who you're going to come in for um i i don't want to you know look too far into like the next couple of games uh but you know with our injuries you know it especially now that everything is is clinched and done you know we there's definitely an opportunity that we can really make sure our guys get healthy for the game in Indianapolis. But so I, I don't, I don't want to go down that road right now, but I, I do want to, you know, we're going to Indianapolis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Oh I mean, my God. What, what does this mean for the program?
2: Yeah, we know what it means to at least uh, one guy or one kid, a uh, 2020 quarterback, Aiden Atkinson, who um, I guess by some reports was about our top guy, um target in the 2020 class and if you believe that quarterback is always the top guy in any class then that's probably true um from sam's neck of the woods although as sam makes it clear he's from south boulder he's from south boulder no, I'm, not I'm from north, north boulder. boulder there's you know yeah. <laughs> but uh apparently this guy's down in south boulder rewriting all the wrecking uh, all of the records um he's thrown i guess for 55 touchdowns this year um Big time quarterback, three star rivals has him rated as a five point seven, which is plenty high. Had a South Carolina offer, Ole Miss offer, um, Colorado offer, Boise State offer, um, and and pledged to the Cats. And you can only imagine he's like, "Well, yeah, I want to be. I want in on this. I want in on the championship train. Uh, let me sign up." So um, there's there's one obvious immediate dividend, but. There's the whole thing too that just being in the news to the extent that we are right now, um, and just I mean obviously we need to seal the deal, but I, last time I checked I think on ESPN there were two different Northwestern-related stories in the scrolling bar: one talking about us being ranked, one talking about us winning the winning the West, um, and it's it's a huge factor when you it's more chances to talk about the facility and you know, the, the brand new facilities and just, yeah, this unprecedented, not unprecedented, but the success. And it's funny sports illustrated has their latest bowl projections up. And I was looking at them and they have us projected into the citrus bowl, which that on one hand you go, Oh man, I, I don't know. That seems overly optimistic. Even, even given the fact that we won the West, but then you step back and you think, and you're like, well, an eight and five Northwestern team that has been squarely in the national conversation for several weeks, um, and then plays a potentially exciting big 10 championship game, even were it to be a losing effort that a lot of bulls might look at something like that and be like, well, you know what? Ohio state and Michigan are into, you know, the, the major bowls. So who's up next? Yeah. This Northwestern team, i we'll grab them. Um, it's little things like that that I think just the optics of it can be such a big win. 100%. I I mean, for me,
1: I, I am, I'll, I'll answer your question from a personal perspective, Sam, and that's that I am just so personally excited to have cleared this hurdle and I'm so excited for these players. I mean, I think you heard the clip that we opened the show with tonight um, of Fitz telling these guys what had happened in, in the other big 10 games. And a, I love that they did that, that, it, that it, it was not something that anybody knew about during the game. And they told them right after that's just fantastic. But the reaction, I'm just, I'm so happy for these guys that they get to do this and, and for this program. And I look at, uh, I look at some of the comments I've seen Justin Jackson make throughout the year. I like early in, in the season, there were, there were fans tweeting at Justin Jackson and saying, Oh my gosh, we, you know, we're so happy. Like good luck in the NFL. We're going to miss you so much. We don't know what we're going to do without you. And every time you reply, like, don't don't worry, you are in good hands. Like, Hey, you will not miss me. Jeremy Larkin's amazing. Or dude, this, this locker room has everything they need to do great things. And, um, so just like personally, that's very, very exciting to me in general. But I think from a, from a broader, like where this, where this sets Northwestern up, I mean, we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for this since 2012, uh, when Fitz broke the bowl streak and that was the year where there was some small number of minutes in which we we were away from winning
0: 5 minutes and 3 uh, seconds
1: that's yeah 5 minutes and seconds away from from going undefeated that season coming out of that year with the way recruiting looked with with the the facility on the horizon um with the players we had coming back with game day coming and ohio state coming to town like we we were thinking all right this is our time it's time for northwestern to start competing for A conference championship, and it's been six years, and we haven't sniffed it. We haven't even sniffed it until this year, and that—that's what's so exciting to me is that we—we've been waiting, and we've finally gotten to that spot where Fitz can start. I mean, he's said it all along. We are pursuing a Big Ten championship. It is one of our goals every single year. It is not a lofty goal. It's not a stretch goal. It is a goal and circumstances namely difficult games early in the Big 10 season often often against Wisconsin have effectively eliminated us most seasons before the season even got going and to have fi- to finally be able to say hey look <laughs> look at that trophy over there in our trophy case this is what we aspire to build on um the next hurdle obviously is winning the big 10 championship game. And we're going to get a shot in three weeks for the first time. And like th- that, that program trajectory for me, it's, it's all, it's always about kind of tiers of where you're at. And I talked earlier about, we had to build the foundation. We had to be mediocre before we could had We could be good. We had to be mediocre before we could be consistently good. And um, we've gotten to a stage where we're pretty consistently good. And, now we can focus on a stage where you know it's not going to be every year. We're gonna we're gonna need a you know probably upperclassman experienced QB. We're gonna need some decent players on the offensive line we're, that have played together a couple seasons. Like we're, we're gonna Hunter need Johnson? those. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I mean, ne- you yeah, ne- <laughs> know, next year maybe maybe. But my point being is like there, there's going to be ebbs and flows at like Northwestern yeah, yeah, yeah. just just because of the talent pool right that we're that we're pulling from. But the notion that we can compete for the Big Ten championship, you know, every other year, every every two to three years, is here, and we've I think, proven it. Finally,
2: I think too. If you look at the landscape right now, it's there's so much parity in the West, um, and it's it's not like a one time thing. I think the, there's this feeling that Wisconsin is kind of coming back to earth right now, relative to the rest of the West, and obviously, I think. Long-term, the team that we're all nervous about is Nebraska. Are they resurgent? You know, they've certainly been super feisty on offense in the second half of this season. Obviously, there's all the tradition there that is like a little bit of a sleeping giant. But as things currently stand, it is a very level playing field across the entire conference. Uh, across the entire side of the conference, it's not just that we're winning this year. You could easily make the argument that we're on top of the conference next year. Um, And that just are not just because we won it this year, but because we're as well positioned as anybody is. Um, Purdue, They very likely, I would imagine, are going to be losing their coach, who's going to surf over to Louisville (laughs) on a giant pile of money. (laughs) Uh, That's probably going to happen literally any week. Um, Sorry, Purdue. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Purdue. Louisville is going to offer Jeff Braum all of the money.
0: Except Um, they're paying uh, Petrino all of the money, so... I don't know where yeah. they're getting all of the money from because you know Papa John is no longer.
2: I was I was going to say the Papa needs some some PR so maybe he could you know he needs he needs a win. Maybe, some- maybe they're just you know maybe Papa's salary just got repurposed. Yeah right exactly. Um, so but in any case so Purdue I mean they're not they're not they're still going to have Rondell Moore but um, you're talking about a team in flux there the boat rowers who we're going to face next week um, certainly not exactly. Where they envisioned they would be right now, um, Illinois. <laughs> um, and then, um, but then you know, uh, Wisconsin, us, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, it's it's a group. Don't anyone who tells you at this moment in time that they can pick the best team out of that group is lying. We're as well we're as well positioned as any of those other three teams are to continue to compete in this conference and and. Um, part of that is all the hard work the guys have put in to achieve it, but another part of it is just like you know I said earlier, and Scuzz said, it's the optics of of a win like this. It's being a team who's a little bit of a darling right now, who's riding a crest with brand new Sterling facilities. Um, it's it's it all matters, and especially in a position where there's this power vacuum in the West, we're as ready to fill it as anybody is. Is it crazy
0: to think that? We could be going to the Rose Bowl.
2: No,
1: no, it is not crazy because no. we just need to win one game to do it.
2: Yeah, that's that's right. Um, it's it's there. There are two teams, two possible teams. There's the team who's got every five star in the country and half the time plays like it and the other half just goes to sleep. And then there's the other team who has an ungodly defense who we lost by three two, and led. Uh, for all but four minutes of a game against. Hey, hey! guess who we had
1: not figured out and established uh, when we played Michigan? Isaiah yeah. Bowser. <laughs> Isaiah Bowser. And yep. uh, let me tell you, we were talking about pass efficiency defense earlier and where Iowa sits. The three teams that immediately surround them uh, in order, Michigan State, Iowa, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Right. These These teams are not infallible and they are not perfect. They no. are beatable.
0: Right. They're good, though. I mean, let us they're, they're both very they, good teams. They oh.
1: should be favored. My my model right now uh, puts Michigan as a 13-point favorite over us, puts Ohio State as a 6-point favorite over us. I think those are both very fair lines. Those also don't include all the, the stats from this weekend. But still, like, they should be favored. There is good reason to believe that, that we'll go to the Big Ten Championship and, and, and potentially lose, but – there is no reason to think that it's a certainty.
2: Oh, for sure. No, sir. And again, if if you get Pete Clayton Thorson with Isaiah Bowser, we can play Ooh. with e- we can play with anybody in that Ooh. situation. I'll take out I'll take out Ohio, I'll take out Alabama, Clemson, probably Georgia. And then just whatever Oklahoma is doing, I don't know if we can score the 90 <laughs> points that we need to beat them in a 100-99 football game or whatever it is that they're playing out there. Um, but it, that's it. You give me the rest of the country, we'll give them a game. Our defensive line is more than willing to take away your run and then see what you can do through the air against us. A lot of teams will probably have a lot of success, but you know what? If... We've got a Clayton Thorson playing at his potential with Isaiah Bowser running the ball. We can play with all these teams, and that includes the two we're going to face uh, in Indy, and it certainly includes the two teams we're going to play in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> as an aside,
1: um, well, when I, Sam, you mentioned earlier the possibility of, of some guys being rested, and, and you know, like you said, we don't want to get too deep in the weeds on that just now. But I, I, I almost think of it. There's there's a, there's two edges to that sword. One is like a guy like Montre Hardage, I don't think we're gonna see him on the field the next two no, weeks. No way. Um but what that means is those guys who have been lacking in reps, uh Roderick Campbell, Alonzo Mayo, et cetera, et cetera, um, Travis Willock probably will will continue to see time. Like those guys are gonna get real game reps against competition that they can manage. It's it's gonna be amazing for their potential careers. It's going to be fantastic for the depth of this squad. That's the preparation I think we're going to start to see over the next couple weeks. I don't think, I don't think we're going to turtle sand, put our head in the sand or, or, you know, uh, say that we don't care about these next two games. I think we're going to try to win them, but I think you're going to see a lot of depth, uh, a lot of, a lot of the depth chart getting time and meaningful time in those games as we build uh, our depth and our experience and our reps for Indianapolis,
0: yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing you know, we're not gonna you know, everyone's gonna everyone who can play will play, but I think we'll probably be on the conservative side. Like if someone is you know on the edge one way or the other, sit them, right? I mean, like you don't rush someone back for these next two weeks. You let make sure that they are good
2: to go uh, for Indy, right? And. You know, it's the other big part of it too. Relative to the secondary, is we're playing a team this coming week that throwing the ball is not their forte. Um, they've, I mean, it's been a juggle. I think we're probably looking at Tanner Morgan, who um, you know took over for Zach Anixtad. Minnesota wants to run the ball with Muhammad Ibrahim. That's what they do. That's how they try to win football games. And they got great Muhammad Ibrahim and a blizzard against Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> and that combination – and again, I don't want to discount the Blizzard's contributions because it's Minnesota, and they can probably conjure a Blizzard when we play them next week. So that very well may be something that they have playing into their hands when we play them as well. But they want to try to run it with Ibrahim, and that's that's where their bread is buttered. He's done it against a lot of good team, uh, you know, against a lot of teams, but Minnesota has managed – in this season, to basically miss all of the good run defenses in the conference. Um, oh, they played Iowa, who's had a pretty good run defense. He rushed for 68 yards. And Anikstad threw three interceptions, and they lost by 17. Ohio State, he had an awesome game. You know what? Purdue tore Ohio State apart running the ball also. Um, They didn't play Michigan State. They didn't play Michigan. They ain't seen a run defense anything like us this season. Well,
0: but Um, before before we dive too deep in the preview, um, we are going to come back later this week to really preview this weekend's game against Minnesota and to talk a little hoops because, you know, basketball has started up. Um, so I just I, I don't to want to get too just, deep in the weeds on just, that one just I, yet.
2: I just wanted to allay the fears of everyone who's looking at that <laughs> 41-10 Purdue score and is feeling super nervous. Like, go watch the highlights of whatever that was, um, <laughs> and and we and then and then touch base with us at the end of the week. Minnesota scored 20. The Blizzard scored 20. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Um, well, what one other quick tidbit about Minnesota, uh, and that's that I will be there. Um, I get together with my dad every year for the Minnesota Northwestern game. So any listeners who are up in the twin cities, twin cities who plan to go to the twin cities, holler at a, at me this week. Um, I am hoping to find a tailgate, crash a tailgate, run a tailgate. Um, probably depends a little bit on how frigid it is. It, it is an early 11 a.m. kickoff, but, um, anybody who wants to hang out with scuzz, uh, and, and, drink some beers at 9 a.m. in the ass cold of
0: Minneapolis uh just let me know well before we get out of here um any any kind of last thoughts on on this Iowa game on the circumstances that led to it and now us playing for the for the Big Ten championship what what happened
1: to Noah Fant sure yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. let's let's hit that because let, we were, let we you, were really uh, worried about Fant, um, or at least we were very concerned about him going in, but one catch for zero yards.
2: And, and also, too, coming out of that game, if you know why Noah Fant didn't get any touches in this game, tell the Iowa <laughs> fans. <laughs> yeah, they because are. Because they are apoplectic about this right now, and, and rightfully so. It's not like he sat on the bench the whole game. He was out there. And they just didn't do anything with him. And no one knows why, including Iowa. Go Google it. Just Google Noah Fant. You'll find 10 Iowa-related articles written by, like, all the Iowa publications being like, what the heck is going on with Noah Fant? I'm not complaining.
0: There there actually God. was a really good article in uh, in The Athletic today that, that came out that was a- asking that same question. Um, and, you know, Fant doesn't know what's going on either. So it's something weird is going on uh, with... Now, Fant and the Iowa coaching staff, so I, I something something's wonky there. I mean, it is interesting. He's not a guy that gets tar- that
1: gets, you know, ten ten catches a game. I mean he's yes, he's one of their leading receivers, but he's catching three, four. He had five against Northern Iowa and against Penn State, but it's it's been three or four catches a game all year. Now granted a lot of those are long and so he ends up, you know with 50, 80, 90, 102 yards in some of these games but um yeah I, I know I saw a couple of people complain like they saw like Noah Fant was open on that play what is happening
2: Yeah um it, whatever, whatever I'm not complaining that's Iowa's problem Iowa you deal with it we're 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 on to Indy <laughs> He he did drop
1: a a potential um I think a key fourth down conversion against Northwestern last year that would, that as I was driving to try and get a, a TD, I think to win that game. It ended the um, games
2: last play of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, Hey, um, yeah. Um, my other big thing, aside from the Noah fan thing, I want to give out pirate booty to two people. We haven't mentioned yet. The first is Jake Collins. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care that that guy missed a field goal. He said in the post game, he had an attempted <laughs> one since his senior year of high school and found out he was the kicker that morning. So I'm not gonna begrudge him for for missing that field goal. He made a couple extra points. Hey, two you, two, ex, two key extra points. Right. And then seven punts for forty yards a punt with four inside the twenty in frigid, horrible conditions. And it was the and, it
0: was a punter's game. And a couple beautiful hits. I don't know right, he, like, right. that, that tackle right. he made on the opening kickoff was just gorgeous.
1: Right. Oh, it was it was a it was a form tackle. He went I mean, I was a little nervous about like I'm yeah, really glad his head he, placement was right cuz oh. I think it's it's you or me in there
2: next, I think if Jim <laughs> Collins goes out. But yeah. The, well,
1: yeah, and if he gets a targeting penalty and eject it, like that's yeah, oh, right. boy. I don't even know who kicks at that point, but um Yeah, like
2: like Collins was uh was huge. Right. So that's the first one. Um, It was a punter's game, and and he had a monster game. The second, so we talked about Clayton's throw and Skronik's unbelievable catch. Two plays before that, on a third and nine, in a must-win situation, with the Big Ten West on the line, we handed it to a seventh on the depth chart, future surgeon, who's 5'7", from Hawaii, and he got us nine yards in a moment when we absolutely had, had to have it. A five walk- seven, my ass. A, yeah, five. Yeah, exactly. A walk on, <laughs> not a preferred walk on. A guy who was waitlisted. It's my favorite thing about Chad Hannaoka. Name one other football player you've ever heard of in FBS football where the term waitlisted applied. He actually applied <laughs> as a student. Was waitlisted and got in off the waitlist, and he was. You know, we talked about is he going to break the all-time record for carries by a guy with number one at the start of this season? I mean, he's a feature in our offense. He's our third-down running back and has looked great doing it. And I mean, I these. It's the dream. It's it's the dream of all walk-ons. Especially walk-ons who were in the video
0: department their freshman year. Right,
2: right. There are TJ Green type walk-ons who had North Dakota State offers and dads are NFL quarterbacks. And then there's Chad, who got in off the wait list, worked in the video department, and now is making huge plays to help win the Big Ten West. Um, I just, I can't give Chad enough of the pirate booty. You know, we'll just back the ship up to Chad's house and just start unloading it. It's why he wears number one. I mean, it's cliche, but it's
0: it's true. Absolutely. Um Well, let's get out of here, guys. Uh we just won the West.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, it's I, gonna been, be a fun
1: I've been kinda giddy all day. Um and maybe, like, we haven't done final thoughts most of this year, in part because we've just had so much to talk about with the team. But I I just, just want to share with you guys, like, where I was as this all went down. <laughs> so I got a text from my father-in-law uh, late in the week, I think around, like, Thursday, basically like, Hey, I have tickets to the Cincinnati-South uh, Florida game. Would you like to go? I know that, you know, Northwestern's playing Iowa that afternoon, so no worries and in my head i was like ooh i really want to watch the NUIO game and then i thought if i say no to this oh, that is man. that is bad karma and will definitely result in us losing to iowa so man, i was sitting, points. Galore. yeah well so, so i was in the upper deck at uh nippert stadium in 26 degree very cold weather um with my with my phone on the rail and and blurry uh espn or whatever fox i think fox sports yeah, fox, Go. yeah. um phone died before the fumbles i think <laughs> i had i had or like the video died I had just enough battery to get texts from you guys and i got like a like a lot of exclamation points and some vulgarity and some yeses and i was like what guys what happened <laughs> um and you you told me about the fumble, and then I, I was able to get my father in law to pull up at least you know GameCat the, the box score on his phone and, and saw the end, and then got to celebrate by by uh, cheering on I I guess my second team in the Cincinnati Bearcats. I mean that's it's there's a lot of empty slots between Northwestern and whoever's second, but um but then came home at like I was probably around midnight poured a very large glass of scotch and proceeded to digest everything on Twitter uh, and watch highlights and all those. Of that. I watched the, the last half of the game is that I had missed uh, when, when I left for uh, for that other game as well. But it was, um, it was one of, where, like, one of those moments where I was like, Ooh, I really want to watch this game, but this could probably go badly. So we, we had, I had some fun on Twitter talking with some other folks about second half adjustments that they made um, our friend Kat left her hotel room. She was, she's attending a wedding this weekend, I guess, and went to a sports bar in a full floor-length gown yeah. for the second half. Um, a number of others made uh, made key halftime adjustments. I think uh, NU Nation did their part karmically uh, to help
2: this thing out. I It's funny. You talk about where were you. From 2.30 p.m. onward, I was standing... Uh, it, on my carpet in my living room, without stop, holding the straight razor that I was using to shave years off my life. <laughs> <laughs> By second, the, the Northwestern I, branded straight razor. I don't know razor. how many we have. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many any of us have left, but apparently, just enough. Um, but yeah, Ugh, that's but that's that's an awesome story. And and because you ain't you know you and I are both going to be in Indy for this one and it's going to be i mean just just the fact that the fact that we have the opportunity to do this and just to take the trip that we wanted to take and be a part of the spectacle and with the stakes so high and that we just get to circle it for 3 weeks um as a fan base is just so amazing
0: yeah it's killing me that i can't make it down but i've got a really really good reason
2: yeah yeah, yeah
0: you got some other important stuff to be uh... <laughs> yeah. um yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be watching. You know, I I'm not exactly sure what the setup's going to be, but it, it it'll, <laughs> it'll be lavish. I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I
1: mean, Sam, I believe you had house guests that visited you uh, to watch this game. I think I, those house guests need to, need to come for the rest I, I, of I, the season. I
0: think I think you're right. Um, we'll 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 see if we can make that happen. So. <laughs> Well, like I said, we're gonna be back later on this week to uh to really preview the Minnesota game to talk a little hoops um kind of get a little deeper into this uh atkinson commit um you know it's been just awesome to you know this past twenty four hours as we record this on Sunday night has just been amazing and just like I didn't care about NFL today. It was just like whatever. I, I'm I'm riding so high from this uh, from this Northwestern game yesterday that it just didn't matter. So two catches for Austin Carr though. Yeah, no, <laughs> fantastic. And I guess uh, Dean Lowry had a nice sack uh, against the Dolphins.
2: In- inspired by the events of Saturday. No doubt. <laughs> but it's gonna, uh, it's, gonna hey, so ju- it's gonna be so fun. It's gonna oh, be so sh- fun to watch like you know,
0: wildcat nation kind of come together in much the same way as, uh, they did for the, for the basketball, you know, a couple years ago.
1: Very much. And and honestly, that chronic catch may, I, I, that's going to get replayed much like, I mean, it doesn't quite have the same weight to it, nor was it quite the same fraught moment, but much like the, uh, the pass to Derek pardon, tap horn Um, to pardon. Yeah. Yeah. Tap horn to pardon that, that finally broke, broke, uh, Broke through for for Michigan, you know. I, I guess we we should say this because we haven't said this yet on the pod. We just get to enjoy this for the next two weeks. We we clinched two weeks before the year ended. Yeah, yeah that come, that's insane.
0: Come along for the ride, Pirate faithful. En- en- enjoy it, folks.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: celebration. We're, like the fact we're that all gonna be, the fact that we can yeah. just
0: sit back and watch the uh, the Michigan Ohio State game. Like we're gonna play the winner of this. And right
2: yeah just, it just it, it all matters everything matters from from this point on and if you think that we're going up to minnesota um and not bringing our a game no sir and if you think the week after that that Fitz is going to let this team take it easy on that other team down south mm-mm. not happening yeah, we, but we are keeping we, we that hat
0: in evanston mm-hmm. and to do those things with no pressure no pressure it's oh it's, it's so good it's so great well, let's go ahead and leave it there for, uh, for this episode. Head to our website, westloppirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. Uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter. We, you know, we def- we love chatting with everyone, uh, on, on the tweet bots. Um, you can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westloppirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the central golf lot flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.